Display and brightness. What's the display and brightness? I didn't see a oh. auto lock right under night shift. And maybe if you don't have it, then you should be freaking updating your phone. No, I've got auto lock. I'm trying to. Oh, I don't know. It's not doing that for me. Go to the bottom. There we go. See? Triple dots. Nice. You can just hit. Let me see it. Don't steal my notes. Stupid bitch. Uh, I don't know why yeah, it doesn't it's not have on the bottom, on you here. stupid bitch. Your mom's a stupid bitch, and you're a stupid bitch with her. All right, give me this. I'm going to Google something. No. Yes, give me I'm my... going to put it on to dark appearance. There you go, you stupid bitch. Let me see if it worked. Yeah, there it is, you stupid bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why? Because you need my help, and then I give it to you, and then you don't appreciate it ever? It's hard to appreciate it when I'm also being called a stupid bitch. Oh, I only want help when you're also <laughs> lifting me up. People don't even know. That would make the You Lift Me Up song way funnier. Well, let's just get a move on then, can we? Can we please get a move on? I don't want to hear that from the person that woke up at noon. I woke up at noon because I was sleepy, Paul. <laughs> Think I'm not sleepy? I don't know. What time did you wake up? Around 8.30. Started the day. Fed the cats. Suck the cow teats. We're not recording. Think that aren't we? you, I don't think that you woke up at 8.30. No, I woke up at 8. I got out of bed at 8.30. I don't believe you for one second. We did it, though. Welcome back to the American Dad Podcast. Yeah, we took a couple weeks off, or maybe even just one week it might have been. We took some time off. Might have been two weeks, actually. Yeah, we came back. <laughs> We've We're vaccinated. We're ready. We're fully vaxxed and ready to... Cough in your face. Go outside. I to, to wear slacks. Ooh. Ooh. There we go. Slacks. That rhymes. Back slacks. Okay. While doing jumping jacks. Welcome back to the American Dad podcast. Every goddamn time. No, don't disregard that. My welcome was the true welcome, as that is what was established. This week, we're going to be doing an episode <laughs> that was requested by the same person who requested rabbit ears. Mm-hmm. His Instagram name is Duragram. Yeah. Way to go. Thank you, Duragram. Thank you for requesting this episode, which is... Duragram. Oh, Exquisite Corpses. Ooh. Season... 15. Episode... 7. Look at that. Sometimes called season 17, depending okay. on where you look. <laughs> Just get it together, mm-hmm. people. And I think I'm going to go ahead and start the episode right now. Paul's always act one. Yeah. We're going to always start things off real simple and country-like. Okay, so go. I'm going. Give me one damn second. I told you I ruined the notes. Act one is Haley and Jeff are having movie night in the van. Jeff is complaining that he's trapped living rent-free in a house where he's not allowed to laugh as loud as he wants to at the police (laughs) academy movies. Where are they getting electricity? I was imagining that there's an extension cord running into the house (laughs) through a window. They should show that. And it's really frayed and like sparks are flying off of it. It's a Jeff extension cord. There's something like that I remember from a Goofy movie. Well, Haley, van sex. Haley points out that this idea was all part of her plan for van sex. Jeff gets crazy aggressive, not about sex, not sex (laughs) aggressive, but he snatches Haley's wrist really hard and tells her to pipe down so he can watch Police Academy 3. (laughs) I'm very worried for Haley. Then a news blast 10 million further interrupts Jeff's movie. Jeff is really going to let Haley have it because of that. 
Jeff's a little testy in this episode. Yeah, he's a little... It really shows me that there's not a lot I actually know about Jeff, mm-hmm. other than that he's a stoner, but apparently he will just snatch Haley's wrist really hard. There's been a string of fast food-related murders. The news anchor goes off book and slams the Langley police force, saying that they are the inspiration for the Police Academy films. This is fake news. The films were inspired by a bunch of fat, gross cops in San Francisco who worked security for the film The Right Stuff. They looked so gross and weird that the producer asked the sergeant why these cops were so awful. It was because the mayor was forcing them to take on a broader spectrum of police cadets. Oh. So yeah, that's why it happened. That's why there's 14 Police Academy movies. Because San Francisco has gross cops. Haley's blabbering on about how she's made money for the first time in her life. She never once thinks about taking this money to give her parents rent. Never goes into her head. Jeff is begging her to shut up so he can watch Police Academy. (laughs) Haley should have just gotten him a Police Academy box set and not a cheap metal ring that shows off how dirty his hands are (laughs) because Stan makes him hose off in the yard. (laughs) I do like when Jeff says it looks like a princess's hand and his hand is just disgusting. (laughs) Haley mentions that she doesn't expect anything from Jeff. I'll be discussing this more later because it upsets me too much and I'll talk about it later. Just the whole thing, this whole line of people expecting things from Paul and Paul never living up to those expectations is a lot. The news bulletin appears again with an RB Burger spokesman hawking a smoky western bacon cheeseburger. He's a fat man with glasses and a tie who will do anything to whore this burger. Did the- you say glasses? He's a fat man with glasses. <laughs> yes. Why are you separating the G and the L? He's wearing galoshes and glasses. <laughs> glasses. <laughs> Okay, well, that's been, I've said that. I'm sorry. He's a fat man with glasses. That's a hard word to say. What? Are you still struggling with this? Okay, start again. He's a fat man with glasses and a tie (laughs) who will do anything to whore this burger. I can't say the word glasses. Stop saying glasses. (laughs) That's how I'm supposed to. I can't say You have to, like, raise your eyebrows and feel really surprised to say glasses. It feels weird in the back of my throat. Glasses. This is not hard. You're such a liar. You've never said glasses. That's how I've always said it. Like molasses. (laughs) He's a fat man with glasses and a tie who will do anything to whore this burger. They are clearly making fun of the long dead food whore from Wendy's, Dave Thomas. Then my brain goes nuts because (laughs) during the credits, Steve has decided to pull focus and he sings his go to school song as soon as Stan leaves. It's really cute. Like, now that dad is gone, I sing my go-to-school song, I sing my school song every day. It's like the Warner Brothers frog. Yeah, it's really cute and old-timey. Steve really does wipe everybody's noses in the fact that he goes to school. That's like his one thing, and he lets everybody knows it. And Klaus has become a phone lineman for Langley Bell. You say he lets everybody knows it. Yeah, he lets... Klaus has become a phone lineman for Langley Bell. It's a super dangerous job, and he just wants... Anybody to notice him, but Francine hits him with a everybody can feel free to leave without talking to him. <laughs> It's cute. Roger shows up as his character from Census of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. He's toweling off because he's just made Stan wreck his car, so I assume he's covered in Stan's blood from the wreck. You never see what happens. You do see he gets right out of the car and he sings. And we're establishing as canon in this episode that mm-hmm. Stan goes to work in this way every day. Yeah. Then singing this song, <laughs> crashing his car. <laughs> Literally every day. He's surprised every time. 
I do like that side of this episode. You see what happens during the day in the house. Mm-hmm. Like just these three jobless fools living their best life. And class would normally be included in that joblessness yeah. layabout category, but for some reason he's a lineman. I think D. Bradley Baker had something to do. They just got rid of him for the episode. <laughs> Jeff, Francine, and Roger go back to sleep, living the good life once everybody's gone. Jeff wakes up to the nightmare that he's missed The Price is Right. Because that's a real sad day. But they all have a very relaxing conversation at the kitchen table. Francine proves that she really shuts down when Stan is gone. Because she's not really taking any questions today. (laughs) Jeff would shut up. Roger's adorable. He was going to spend his day at Target to buy the world's shittiest mountain bike. I didn't research that. But you can go to Target and see that the bikes look shitty. Roger notices Jeff's new ring. And then Jeff's bragging about it. And he's bragging that Haley doesn't expect anything from him. They respond to Jeff with the look that Christy and Trey give me when they're surprised at how stupid I am. Like they are afraid I'm possibly getting dumber. I am. It's it's getting worse. Jeff keeps on going and he says that Haley just means that I can't do the kind of things that she can do. <laughs> that I'm not capable of it. So Jeff gets it. He knows exactly <laughs> what they mean. But he's just a fool. <laughs> but then eventually he realizes how huge of a dig it is. Francine and Roger make the whole conversation about themselves, saying that their respective partners treat them badly because they don't have jobs. Steve is Roger's partner in this situation. Francine gets fed up about all this and declares it's time to drink. They day drink 17 beers and three bottles of wine. (laughs) They drunkenly shout about how they could get jobs, but Roger has a personality type that makes it hard to work for or with others. He was tested. I think that personality type is ergophobia which is from the Greek ergon, which means lazy piece of crap. Oh, that joke failed, and I wish I could shut up forever. <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. Are you sad? I'm sad. We should be drinking. This is why no. we've been drinking the past couple times, and it's 12 in the morning, and yeah, everybody's kind of sad, and just stonewalling me. I cut out some material because I knew it wouldn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> You are delivering this like a North Korean hostage. You're just like, "Ah, I'm so scared it's not going (laughs) to land. Will that help it be funny? (laughs) Francine can't work in an office because sometimes she needs ribs at 1030 in the morning. I am talking. You will stop Googling. (laughs) And you know what else? You know what else, though? What? I think that, number one, I do have the personality type that can't work with or for people. (laughs) Um, I'm an ENTP, if anybody wants to know. And also, sometimes I do need ribs at 1030 in the morning, and so I make them. You can do that. I think that people really think you're chained to your desk more than... Maybe I'm not. I'll up and leave. I'll walk to a Bob's Big Boy during the day. If at 10.30 in the morning? Yeah, I'll Depending on walk what off. time you got. If you got to work at 8 and you said, all right, I'm taking an early lunch, I would think a lot of jobs qualify for eating ribs at 10.30 if you want. Yeah. Francine can't work because she needs ribs. Roger can't work because he has a personality type. And Jeff mentions he should legally be in Afghanistan. So Jeff is AWOL from the military. That's my. That was my initial thought because it's the easiest thought because you're a fool. <laughs> Really, I think what happened was that he created a Facebook profile and clicked his resident country as Afghanistan by mistake, and he thinks that's a legally binding contract. 
Well, we assume that he could have obligations to the U.S. military, but maybe he has obligations to the Taliban. <laughs> he signed up at some point. <laughs> it just didn't show up for day one. Yeah, it's it's all pretty weird. But no, we don't know a damn thing about Jeff. He was a cook for blues traveler at some point. <laughs> Is that when he married that girl? Yeah. And got the <laughs> He married a really old lady mm-hmm. and he gave the rights to her daughter. But this whole discussion about careers and drunkenness reminds me a few years ago, I drunkenly decided with a friend that we were going to drop everything and become plumbers. We were going to go to plumbing school. I backed out of that nonsense the very next day, breaking everyone's heart. I thought I could be a plumber. I can't smell things, but I can't climb under houses. That's, no. No, and that's also, too scary. I don't, I mean, like, I don't think that that's the most common situation, but I just think that you're not coordinated enough no. or detail-oriented enough. God, no. Or, like, you don't have critical thinking skills. I think you, I don't know. I don't know if plumbing's as hard as we're making it out to be. I don't think that if they were like, hey, look at these pipes, which ones are connected to which, you would immediately give up. Oh, yeah. No, I would give up. I would. Because that's Leave. how inattentive you are. We learned that these three really Lacking look up. common sense. These three jobless idiots <laughs> look up to Boss Baby as the ultimate <laughs> businessman. Boss Baby is a good movie. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's funnier than it has any right to be. But with the guidance of Boss Baby, they decide to start their own business. But I don't know if they're talking about Boss Baby, the series, or the movie. They're talking about the movie. I hope they're talking about the movie. They're not talking about the damn series. The next morning, after all that drinking, Jeff pukes in the same hat that he eats cereal out. (laughs) Before Haley can divorce him for how gross that is, a deluxe tour bus arrives for Jeff, Francine, and Roger making their own money. That'll show them incorporated. (laughs) (laughs) Roger's had plenty of successful- That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, he reason. works all the time. Yeah, he's he rinsed. probably has several jobs during the tour bus <laughs> thing. The character that he's playing with them is an inept character that can't do things. Well, his character that he's playing with them is Steve's partner who stays at home while he goes to school. <laughs> Haley knows that silly old Jeff thought he was buying a miniature tour bus and not a big one because she's already seen the Welcome Home Bus Hot Wheels track that Jeff made in the living room. <laughs> It's just a single roll of toilet paper that just, like, flutters down. Yeah, that's how a lazy person builds a sign. The maniacal bus salesman gives them the bill and then forces his scooter through the yard, ruining Stan's grass. The Smith family members with jobs call out the adorable, drunk, knuckle-headed idiots for their purchase and laugh right in their faces. The drunken fools do a little improv and announce one word at a time that they will be forming an RB murder tour. Jeff Francine and Roger... Discuss their business idea alone in the bus. Francine is the only person that realizes they'll need money for sundries and the bus. Jeff knows where they can find the money, even though Francine has all sorts of gifts and shit in the house that she could probably sell. After this, Jeff goes to a pawn shop and he pawns off this ring that Haley just got him (laughs) to a cursed pawn shop employee. He's got flop sweat and a comb over. He's adorable. And the main thing that provides value to the ring is the fact that it's metal yeah that's it how much money could he have possibly gotten for that that's what i was wondering but then i just stopped wondering and i stopped mm-hmm. caring because maybe 15 bucks and that will put down a down payment on a bus yeah where's the money for the bus coming from the ring it's coming from the <laughs> ring it's all in this act the pawn shop employee is really cute though because jeff begs him not to sell the ring because he's gonna come back with the money he's like i wouldn't dream of it 
Because I can't dream. Because I can't sleep <laughs> until I sell this chalice. I would name the chalice the golden turd, but uh-huh. it's creepy. I would not actually want that in the house. If I saw it at night, it would freak me the hell out. Do you think it looks like a Jeff Rabner original yes. art piece? Yeah. Because it's a little bit, uh, it looks a little bit like the Rapture art style. Yeah. It's creepy looking. It After we had saw that Crimson Peak movie, it reminded me of that with kind of blood pouring down as the chalice handle. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, super creepy. Just a really drunken skull. And that brings me... Got drunk on sangria. To the end of Act 1. One of my categories <laughs> is Truth Planet. The writers of this episode are listed as Brett Cowley and Robert Masha. These people do not exist. I've Googled them. I can't find anything about them. I got bored. They have private Instagrams. TV writers are whores. They will put themselves... They don't exist. Network executives from TBS wrote Exquisite Corpses because it's all part of their plan to promote the Police Academy franchise. (laughs) That's the exact shit TBS is going to play at 2 a.m. after American Dad repeats. I don't think that Robert Cowley, Brett Cowley, and Robert Masha. My dear. Most of Ted Turner's net worth is from the Police Academy movies being rerun on TBS. People love it. Just gunshots and farts. So to the... Duragram, otherwise known as Patricia. Hate to break your heart, but they don't exist. Otherwise known as Ted Turner. <laughs> I think it was Robert Mayatia who I asked. He <laughs> wanted to hear about himself on our beloved podcast. Now for research. As promised, my doing research is on Dave Thomas. <laughs> that sexy old fool. He actually worked for Colonel Sanders in the 1950s. Dave Thomas, also an honorary Kentucky colonel. Because so he, so he could, we could call him Colonel Dave Thomas. Colonel Thomas. Love him. Colonel Thomas is responsible for a lot of cool shit at KFC. Colonel Angus. <laughs> it was his idea for them to put the chicken in buckets. Mm-hmm. He came up with the red and white chicken bucket. He came up with the first spinning bucket sign. Mm. It was also his idea for Colonel Sanders to be in every KFC commercial. So eventually he started making a lot of money for KFC and he sold all of his shares to Colonel Sanders for $1.5 million back Whoa. in the 60s. So he got out, and the next year he started Wendy's. Well, he carried some of those ideas into Wendy's. He also like, likes the red and white in the Wendy's. Yeah. You need a mascot. And also, he wanted his boring ass to be in every commercial. <laughs> <laughs> he says he regrets naming Wendy's after his daughter because oh. of the pressure it put on her. What? I think he regrets it because he's an egomaniac who wishes his name was on all the restaurants. <laughs> and he also wishes that Wendy still talked to him or would let him meet his grandchildren. <laughs> but Dave Thomas appeared in 800 Wendy's commercials, more than any other business founder in television history. Yeah, and it would always be like, everything is normal until you cut to that guy for some reason working the burger grill and he's 60. <laughs> And he's in a manager's outfit. He dresses like, I think of him as Warren Buffett yeah. behind the counter. My golden turd. Uh-huh. Not the chalice. I want a lineman Klaus. I want it made out of really hard plastic, like a bathtub rubber ducky. It's just cute. I want the a big- A rubber ducky's not made of hard plastic. Made out of really hard plastic, like a rubber ducky. So that when you slip in the shower, it goes right up there. Right up where, Trey? Wherever. Wherever it needs to go. <laughs> I want the big, hard yellow phone. I just want it. Yeah, that's what I want. It's adorable. I think it should be Lineman Klaus, but he's a sconce. 
Oh. His fishbowl lights up, and also it looks like Klaus is being electrocuted. I'll go ahead and discuss it now, since this is one of my golden turd options. Okay. Lineman Klaus has a straw. Oh, uh, a little straw he, holder oh. to say, like, he, this is yours? He's on the straw, and he's holding his thermos, and he's attached to it like it's a pole. Oh. Clearly, that's that's what everybody took away. Lineman Klaus is cute, and I'm done. Okay. Act one. Over. Thank I God. I'm a lineman for the county. I'm a fish whose name is Klaus. <laughs> okay, act so two. act two. Francine, Roger, and Jeff stand in the parking lot of a rundown strip mall <laughs> in front of Cousin Claude's Forever Rugs. <laughs> Jeff holds an admission ticket, presumably because he thinks he needs a ticket to enter the bus. That's what I, that's what I take from that. The ticket has a QR code. And if you scan that QR code, it goes oh. to American Dad's TBS show page. <gasps> You're fucking kidding me. Easter egg, box of flip-flops, I don't know. Mm, yeah. Roger has spent the last $8, uh, depending on what you think that the ring got. <laughs> <laughs> he spent at least 8 bucks on that bottle of Voss, which may seem like a frivolous expense, but Roger really enjoys Voss. Mmm, <laughs> Voss. <laughs> box of flip-flops, you can hear Roger moaning pleasurably as Francine counts entrance to the bus tour. Yeah. He says, oh, man, Voss. Mm. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the episode. Is it after he says the first Voss? He's yes. already said, mm, Voss. Oh, okay. Then in the background, he's once again- as Surprised su- by the Voss. Surprised and delighted by the fact that he still has a Voss. <laughs> Craig Robinson, the warehouse manager from The Office, joins the tour. He doesn't want to be treated like a big shot host of the masked dancer that he is. <laughs> Francine insists that he move his numb nuts to the bus. <laughs> The customers soon find that the glass inside the bus is completely opaque. <laughs> Francine proudly affirms that she applied a window tint. Jeff, getting a bit testy, as we've established, <laughs> freaks out about Francine putting the tint on backwards, which is unfair because it's exactly the type of thing that Jeff would do. <laughs> yeah. Roger keeps his cool and passes out pennies for people to scratch off eye holes. He's careful to collect every penny back into a Ziploc bag. Stingy with pennies, drinks Voss. <laughs> Above the parking lot, Klaus is living the lonely life of a lineman. He sings his own light parody of the song Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell. Mm. I'm going to say the line that Klaus says and then the line from the actual song. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am a lineman here in Langley. I am a lineman for the county. And I'm a fish whose name is Klaus. And I drive the main road. <laughs> drinking coffee from a thermos that I filled up at my house. Searching in the sun for another overload. Klaus's song is better. I prefer Klaus's song. Wichita Lineman sucks. Bus pulls up to the scene of another RB killer murder. Roger's complete knowledge of the topic is that this is the third murder. Someone asks for more details, and Roger implies that the man was a teacher's pet in school in exchange for sexual favors. This isn't school, dude. You're not going to get your dick touched for asking questions. (laughs) With a hot mic, and most likely Roger is fully aware of this, Roger vents that he finds it difficult to look at the customer's ugly faces. (laughs) The tour is off the rails. The tour guide knows nothing about the murders and is openly hostile to the customers, referring to Roger. They have to look out of eye holes to see anything, and what they do see is boring places where someone was presumably murdered. Huh. The customers are starting to figure out that this tour was designed by half-wit layabouts. <laughs> the Christine S. is threatening to leave a negative Yelp review. So it's, it's all coming, it's all crashing down. <laughs> Jeff knows that the odds that he'll get Haley's ring back are slim now. Huh. He sees a police car go by and gets an idea. He takes a detour to a radio shack to buy a police scanner. They end up just stealing it because everyone, including Roger (laughs) and the wrecking ball operator, is pretty sure Radio Shack is going out of business. (laughs) Arriving back on the bus with the scanner, the passengers are on the brink of a mutiny. And a guy says, this tour is lame. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff promises a fresh murder to Ogle via the police scanner. Roger buys some time by opening his mouth and croaking out a noise. Uh, (laughs) 
I'll vamp. Uh, <laughs> just then, a report of a murder with an RB murder bag is heard on the scanner. So lucky them. The tour is back in business. Craig Robinson's belief in God is restored upon hearing that someone has been murdered for his entertainment. Classic Craig Robinson. The Langley police exhibit a police academy level of incompetence at securing the crime scene. One officer is buried alive by a bulldozer operator, while another blinds himself with breath freshener and is kicked to death by a horse. I love how the cop keeps saying whoops every time he does. Whoops. Whoops. Roger escorts the tour group into the crime scene without any resistance. The customers apparently think that the scene is some kind of dramatization. They remark on how realistic it is. But they heard the police scanner before and celebrated when a murder was reported. What do they think is going on? <laughs> I'm still confused and I, I don't know. I think they know it's real. But Roger splashes them with blood and then they all just laugh about it. I think that's because they're diehard murder fans. Okay. I mean, I would laugh. I would scream. Cry and think that this makes me guilty of something. Yeah, but if somebody splashes you in like a fun way. No, it's not. A day at the fucking beach. <laughs> Greg Robinson attempts to solve the murder, wondering how the man was stabbed since there's no murder weapon. Hmm. He notes he could have been killed by an ice weapon, which is something that they did on CSI. Oh. There hmm. were ice bullets. A man was shot with ice bullets. What? Which is pretty dumb because there's just no way that you could <laughs> explode ice through a barrel in such a way that it could do anything other than just splash someone. <laughs> a different kind of water gun. The tour is now going great. All the customers can't wait to recommend it to the guy who plays Roy from The Office. <laughs> Jeff, Roger, and Francine are excited about how the tour has turned out. They've even gained a knife-wielding customer since the last stop. A coup for the blood bus. <laughs> it's the killer, isn't it? <laughs> the RB killer cuts his hand and wipes the blood down his face. Roger wants to keep an eye on him in case he does something weird. <laughs> and now we cut back to Klaus, and he's abusing his lineman powers to force Stan, Steve, and Haley to listen to him on the phone line. And somehow he can force Stan to answer the phone. Yes, the tour's going great. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> so my doing research Ooh. is on Radio Shack. Yeah. Radio Shack started in 1921 as a store for radio equipment. Huh. Eventually, it became a popular destination for electronics hobbyists. They sold uh, little electronic knickknacks. People built their own computers and stuff like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was doing quite well selling Walkman, cell phones, and CD players in the 90s. Then the internet pulled down Radio Shack's pants, <laughs> tied it in the face, and launched it with a trebuchet into the heart of the sun. <laughs> the last year that Radio Shack posted profits was in 2011. Ooh. They declared bankruptcy in 2015 and 2017. Shit. There is a Radio Shack-based memoir of a former employee named John Boys that I found online, and I'll tell you some of his stories about the decline of Radio Shack <laughs> when he was working there as it was just hemorrhaging money and just a terrible place to work. He tells the story of a Black Friday in 2004 where he and 11 other employees were waiting for a rush of customers. That day, they were set to open at 6 a.m. and close at midnight. At 6 a.m., an hour passes. No one enters the store. <laughs> Enraged, the manager fires one of the employees for wearing the wrong shade of red polo. Aww. An hour later, a customer enters, buys a single phone battery, and leaves. <laughs> Midday, two employees walk out and never return. Two hours later, a couple enters to return a pair of cell phones. Aww. Negative revenue for the day. Two more employees quit and walk out. <laughs> At 9 p.m., the district office calls and tells them to shut down. Aww. Later, he worked as the only employee in a Radio Shack in a dying mall for a week. Day one, no one walked in. Day two, someone came in, bought a watch battery for $3. <laughs> day three, no one. Day four, no one. Day five, he walked away to use the bathroom. 
He came back and the cash drawer had been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> he called the district office about it and they said, forget it. Nothing matters. It's all over. <laughs> so he had two customers that week. That was it. And yeah, Radio Shack isn't a thing anymore. And for my golden turd, which is my other category <laughs> that I'm going to do, uh, I already said the lineman class on a straw, but the most obvious one, and I'm hoping that no one else is planning on doing this one, is the Hot Wheels Blood Bus. Aww, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, baby blood bus. That could actually work on a Hot Wheels track. Maybe the value of buses in Langley went way down after the 100. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't. It's all too sad. Yeah, these people on this tour people are pretty like brave. People don't like to be. They're like, Langley, a lot of people have died on bus tours in Langley. <laughs> and associated with this family in particular. Yeah. That was act two. Act three, we've established two things. Number one, that the RV murderer has just rubbed blood all over his face. Two, that Klaus has been sitting above the place where a person was murdered. <laughs> okay, so in act three, the RV murderer has somehow cleaned all of the hand blood from his face. <laughs> was it just a group hallucination? Maybe. Maybe he just seemed so much like the type of person who would do something like that. Right. Huh. This is what they imagine. With knife in hand, the murderer checks passenger head sizes for compatibility with his Arby burger bag. <laughs> Luckily, the biggest head on the bus fits. It's Miss Nadine, with whom Francine had mad beef at the learning <laughs> annex in the episode Eight Fires, also written by the same two people. Oh, yeah, that's why Nadine got brought back. Francine is unconcerned. She wanted Miss Nadine to pop like popcorn, but this will do. Roger is concerned. That his head is too big. <laughs> he asks for reassurance. Do you guys think I have a massive head? <laughs> yes. Fuck you. Isn't that why Roger let a pot burn in one episode? Because they made fun of Roger's uh, bulbous head. head. <laughs> That's his one thing. That's like Stanny Boy and Fantastic or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because they, they left it on the burner and I, then he yeah, noticed so he just it. He just didn't, didn't do anything, anything about it because <laughs> they were going to make macaroni and cheese. Francine and Jeff weigh the pros and cons of calling the police. Jeff believes that calling the cops would result in bad Yelp reviews. Mm. But what true crime fanatic wouldn't want to be on the tour bus with the Arby murderer when he was captured? Yeah. A better con would be no murderer on the streets means no butts in seats. <laughs> By that logic, they should debate letting the killer go free. Instead, they have Jeff suggest putting off calling the cops until they can safely drop off the passengers while somehow detaining the murderer. Mm. Also, didn't Klaus see the killer get onto the bus? <laughs> and couldn't he have called the police? He could or have forced them to pick up. Mentioned it to the family huh. while they were still on the line. <laughs> you like that song? Um, was... Kiss if you like that song. <laughs> Roger agrees to entrance the killer with his smooth tour guide patter to keep him calm. <laughs> Jeff has just enough time to reveal that he did not understand the plot to the 1994 film Speed before Roger returns as the willing and besotted hostage of the RB killer. The good news is that they're lovers now. <laughs> The better news is that everyone is invited to a reception to celebrate their love. Aww. Location, Matthew's underground lair in the sewers. Start time, now. <laughs> what to bring? Your whole body, including your head. <laughs> Francine and Jeff allay their customers' fears by insisting that Matthew is an actor, and they quickly identify him as Jack Nicholson from Terms of Endearment and about Schmidt. <laughs> Parker. It's oh, yeah, the it's guy Parker. Roger nut punches during... Lunch was late. <laughs> the bus drives into an enormous tunnel-sized sewer. They arrive at Matthew's lair. On one wall, the words killer flavor scrawled out in blood. On the other, 
an altar to Arby's with a full-size drive-thru menu, presumably from the time when the Big Beef Blopper was available. Oh, smart. In the center of the room, a light shines down from the street level onto a large grate, which must lead to a super sewer. (sighs) And right to the side of that is Matthew's sacrificial table. Why not have the sacrificial table right under the light? Yeah. With the built-in blood drain right beneath it, because he doesn't think things through. Mm. Matthew forces everyone off the bus and reveals his master plan to sacrifice enough people to bring back a long discontinued RB burger known as the Big Beef Blopper. (laughs) It went away 10 years ago, and despite a good faith attempt by Matthew to recreate the burger in the sewer, he just can't figure out what makes the meat, like, tangy. (sighs) He thinks it might be celery salt or taco seasoning. It's vinegar. Oh, sure. Wow, you want to make <laughs> vinegar makes If you want to make beef tangy, add vinegar. Matthew is holding Roger hostage so tight by the neck, and Roger is loving it. <laughs> Tighter. <laughs> Jeff suggests a Facebook campaign to bring back the blopper. He doesn't say that, but I think that's what you would call it. Yeah. Um, but Matthew is more murderous loner, and Facebook is more racist grandma. Mm, yeah, fair. It's head off time, <laughs> and Roger's first. Roger is absolutely gutted. Gutted. He was a bit of a love-struck melt, but he told Matthew about his decapitation weakness in confidence. Now he's laid out on this table looking like a mug. There's only Uh, one thing to do. He pies off Matthew in front of everyone. You've been watching Love Island without me again. Jeff runs to the bus and attempts to radio the police, but the reception is spotty in the sewer. (laughs) Matthew grabs Jeff and lays him on the sacrificial table in Roger's place. Jeff relays a final heartfelt goodbye to his beloved Haley, whom you might never get to see or lay beside again. Bye, babe. (laughs) Matthew makes the same mistake all villains make. His prayer to the RB Burger Corporation, like the spell to rapture a person's soul, takes too long, (laughs) giving Francine enough time to process what's happening and intervene. (laughs) She knocks the knife from Matthew's hand into Roger's belly for safekeeping. He's fine. Jeff calls on everyone to overpower Matthew. They need to hold him until the cops come. They detain him. He's detained. It's fine. He's there. He's detained. <laughs> and then they murder him, Handmaid's Tale, Participation style. Jesus. That's what it's called. It's a participation. For participating? Yeah, it's a participatory execution. Cool. So they'll be like, this guy raped a woman and she lost her baby. And then all the women come in and just punch, punch him punch, to punch, death. Punch. Death and, by punches? Or whatever weapons you want. A nerd in a green vest needs a weapon and pulls the knife out of Roger's stomach. Hey, that's my boyfriend's knife. Roger's obviously still not over him. It slowly dawns on Jeff that they're killing Matthew and bless his heart, he tries to stop them. (laughs) Miss Nadine stiff arms him. Let this happen. You don't want to get in Nadine's way. It's over moments later. Jeff just wants to know why. It's simple. They like murder porn, and this was their big chance to murder someone and feel okay about it. Like Dexter. Oh. The family can only watch uncomfortably as the tour group dismembers Roger's ex-boyfriend. It's time to give up on this whole job thing and go home. (laughs) Jeff sits with Haley on her bed. He admits that he pawned the ring she gave him, lost the money in a failed business, did not see someone get cut up in the sewers, and found out that the pawn shop sold the ring. (laughs) Haley gives him the ring back and the Hot Wheels bus he meant to buy last night. Jeff is slightly offended, but gets over it as soon as he sees the bus. Haley settles in to watch TV while her husband plays with his new toy and sees an ad for Arby Burger announcing the resolution of the murder case and the celebratory reintroduction of the Big Beef Blopper. No. 
What food item would you go on a killing spree to bring back? What? what? $5 foot long. What? Everywhere. That's what you want? I can't really think of other weird discontinued things. Boneless at KFC. Oh, boneless thighs. Oh, is that a thing? If I could get those, that would be nice. Uh, mine's Hagen dazs sticky toffee pudding ice cream. Oh, I thought we just meant fast food. Give me any kind of food that was discontinued. Oh, surge. Did they, did they stop making that? I thought they still, I thought they brought that back. Well, why don't Maybe you, they did. Why don't you go to the store and find me a surge? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with my golden turd. It's a knife holder that looks like Roger. Oh, yes, that. And you like stick it in his belly. Eh, boss. You can change his outfit. That would be cute. Yeah. They don't do enough knife holders as characters with changeable hair and... No, they don't want your knife holder to be something that's being executed. Not enough American Dad-themed kitchen equipment. Yeah. My doing research was the Big Beef Blopper which I think is based on the Taco Bell beefer. Mm. The Bell beefer was a hamburger bun-based meal on Taco Bell's menu from the mid-70s to the mid-90s, with a short comeback in the early 2010s as an update to the Bell Burger. Matthew talks about how it might have taco seasoning, how the meat was like tangy, and how Mm. it was about 10 years ago. So that's what I think the Bell beefer is. Sure. I mean, the big beef blopper. They're so similar. <laughs> the big beef blopper. The big. What was the thing in Cleveland show? It was also. Slop. Slopper. Slop poppers. Slop yeah. poppers. Also, the Arby killer's name is Matthew, but I thought it sounded a lot like Buckle. It sounds like Matt McKenna. Right. But he's not listed anywhere on the credits or the IMDP page, and uh. no one on any page or Google thing that I found was listed as Matthew's voice. Right, there are people who obviously are is him. listed as various voices. It yeah. could have also, I thought that he kind of sounds like Bill Fagerbaki, who plays Patrick Starr. Bill Fagerbaki. You don't think it's Matt McKenna <laughs> voicing the RB killer? I think it's very likely it was him, but I do think it is weird. It if sounds he didn't a lot get... like Patrick Starr, too, though, but it's way more likely it's Matt McKenna. But doesn't it seem super strange for him to not want credit? Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it is the successful McKenna brother or if it's the one that lives next to Taste of Chicago which one is Matt okay so here's the other thing that I was gonna say fine blow right past my whole thing is that when we were talking about like a group of people ganging up on someone and killing them right Dostoyevsky's father sure died under unusual circumstances and they don't know for sure that this is true but they think that he was murdered by serfs on his estate whose daughters he was said to have abused uh, regularly okay. while he was drunk. Well, One morning while he was out riding, he was ambushed by a group of enraged fathers who knocked him off his horse, pulled down his trousers, and crushed his testicles with their bare hands. Then, as he gasped convulsively in agony, they poured vodka down his throat until he drowned. Damn. So that's kind of a participation as well. A little bit. That's family-friendly content. Ow, just ow and balls. Keep going. Okay. Street justice. And my category, my third category is what's in a name. That's what I'm calling it. Oh, that's what it is? What's in a name? Exquisite Corpses mm-hmm. is a game where a group of people work together to create a sentence, image, story, etc. by each contributing a disjointed portion of the whole. The name comes from the first sentence a group of French surrealists came up with when they played the game in the 1920s. The exquisite corpse shall drink the new wine. The sentence Roger, Jeff, and Francine come up with 
it's a business that's called uh 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 <laughs> called the RB Burger Killer Tour Bus. Uh we are going to to give tours of pass <laughs> tours of the RB Burger murders. Yes, a murder tour business, Volcano Factory. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, that was the- You guys all worked together to come up with a pretty good sentence. <laughs> In 2017, Rick and Morty released a promotional short called Exquisite Corpse that starts with Morty dropping a glass flask of pure LSD on the floor. The premise sets up a sequence of surrealist clips and a wide variety of art styles with each scene piggybacking off the final few frames of the previous one. How neat. At about two and a half minutes in, Rick and Morty are in a crumbling temple. (laughs) The floors, columns, and ceilings are made of large bricks similar to the Arby Killer's temple in the sewers. Shit. Rick is about to sacrifice Morty with a really big knife, presumably to stop the temple from falling just as the Arby killer sacrifices people in his Arby burger temple to bring back the blopper. Morty doesn't want to be killed, but Rick insists that he is, quote, just going to have to let this happen. (laughs) Which is almost exactly what Miss Nadine says as the group murders Matthew. Finally, the nail in the proverbial Morty, the rest of his family shows up and surrounds him. They are the group of tourists. Damn. They grab him and hold him down so that Rick can stab him in the belly. Yeah. And then that's where Roger was stabbed as well. It's just in my belly. It's fine. Did the writers of this episode see this exquisite corpse short? It's like three minutes long. Become enamored by this little scene and then exquisite corpse, their own episode piggybacking off of that 15 second clip. Yes. From 2017. That's exactly what happened. This episode aired in June of 2020. I agree. That's that's what they did. That was going to be part of my research, but I didn't know any of that happened. So, I'm sorry. Maybe they wrote the episode in Exquisite Corpse's style. Right. Ooh, cute. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's piggybacking off of those frames. The whole crux of the episode is that they have to end with a group murder, and how do you do that? Huh. Neat. And someone getting stabbed in the belly. <laughs> it's obviously going to be Roger. Yeah. Doing like that, that's canon. One way to kill Roger is... Cut off his head. Yeah. That doesn't work because he's had his head cut off before. Yeah, I don't trust that that would kill Roger. I think that Roger just wanted to have a storyline. So he's <laughs> creating one because it's not really about him. It's yeah. kind of Jeff's story. He's injecting himself. Yeah. Anyway, that's the episode. That's it. That's the third act. Whole exquisite corpse. Thank you, Duragram. Thank you to Duragram for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to our other patrons. We will get to your episodes. No deuces. I'd like to personally thank Iris Saint 21, (laughs) as well as Tango Delta 287. No deuces. Anybody else? We all thank you so very much. Thank you to everybody who really filled up our schedule. We will not rolled it up real tight (laughs) in two weeks. Filled up our schedule. We're about to go travel the world. We're just going to Alabama. Yeah, now that you're vaccinated, you can get out there, go see things and stuff. Woo. Yeah. Woo. And then we will be back when we get back. Toads. When we get back and we're ready to do this again. And then we'll be doing the episodes, which you have requested. You know your episodes. You're the star. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make it nice. We'll try to make it sexy. We'll make it, at least. I hope that this there. episode was sexy enough for... Yeah. Is that how you like it? I actually have one last thing that just hit me. 
that ties in with this. There was a massacre at Wendy's in the year 2000. There is a fast food murderer, but he kind of like bored me. Yeah, that guy's sort of boring. This is not that guy. In 2000, an ex-Wendy's employee got seven Wendy's employees in the freezer room. Yeah, that's what the other guy did too, the fast food murderer. Go ahead. (laughs) Put plastic bags on their heads. Had an accomplice with him. Told the accomplice if he doesn't shoot those people, he's going to kill the accomplice. The accomplice said he closed his eyes and shot. What? And when he opened his eyes, all seven people were shot. A bullet never missed. He's lying. (laughs) He's a fucking liar. When asked about this murder, massacre in the year 2000, Dave Thomas said, ouch, my liver cancer hurt because he died two years later. He didn't have anything to say about that. Okay, well, that's stupid. But here's what I have to say. The only thing that I have to say is that I was going to look up the fast food serial killer whose name was Paul something, obviously. And then... Why obviously? (laughs) (laughs) One interesting thing about him is that he had eight victims, but most of them he killed execution style and got them to go into the freezer and tied them up and then shot them in the back of the head. One time the gun jammed, so he stabbed the guy 17 times. God damn. That is the guy who survived. (laughs) And went on to testify against him in court. <laughs> it was like, it's that guy. <laughs> so that, Never forget that, a face. That gun jam yeah, did him in. And the guy said that he had to play dead. You had to play dead after you got stabbed 17 times. I think you would have just passed yeah, out. I think you were You were not playing. You actually died for a second. How shallow was this knife? It wouldn't require a lot of acting chops to do that, you would assume. It's a letter yeah. opener. But that guy should be living his best life. He was sentenced to death in Tennessee. Um, mm. but uh, he just kept getting stays for different reasons. Yeah. And it's tough. so tough um, to kill somebody with. Yeah. He just died of pneumonia or something. Hmm. Anywho. See, that's a couple show. weeks. Some people are going to Alabama. Some people be sitting here with cats. <laughs> yeah. We try to end every podcast with the phrase died of pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening and good night. Bye. <laughs> oh.